activities, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And welcome to Safety Wars. For Monday, April 17, 2023, we are remote. And we're still here. So, uh, sorry I didn't release any episodes last week. We were live a couple of days. That's a lot of spoke about it with Jay, uh, Allen, the great safety sage, safety mystic, Jay Allen, here on Safety FM. We'll be releasing some of the commentary. So, we're going to be repeating one story that is, uh, no, my thinking is, no, not, and this is speculative on my part, that some attorney got involved here and yelled at OSHA. Because there was one story here I wanted to go over. Again, I had, and uh, that's my other computer in the studio. And I was uh, where they released the whole accident investigation. And it was for the one we're going to talk about here. And it's just mind blowing. So we're going to have, yeah, by the way, that's That's going to be available for sale on my website probably today or tomorrow. So if you want to help support our effort here, go and uh, we have a link on storefront to buy some safety wars t-shirts sweatshirts that sort of thing hope your weekend was great over here they had like uh, the apocalyptic situation you might have we had massive brush fires all over uh, Rockland and Putnam uh, County New York some Jersey my wife was down in South Jersey this weekend with my daughter. And, yeah, they had the parkway shut down and, you know, wrath of God sort of stuff. Been very dry here. Unlike Florida and some of the other areas of the country, it's been extremely dry here up in uh, the Northeast. And no, we even went, uh, my son went to a Boy Scout uh, gathering they weren't even allowed to have that good old-fashioned uh, campfire and sing-along. No, they had to sing-along, not the campfire, I understand. So, here, what, uh, no, what, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about this one story and some the usual OSHA stuff. And, uh, no, uh, I was able to recover some information here on the web on, on the story here. This is out of Alabama. This is out of Paper Mill. Federal safety investigators find Alabama paper mill willfully bypassed safety regulations, leading to a fatal electrocution of a 36-year-old worker. So normally, when they put things on their website, they normally put these citations up there. But, uh, but last week, they put on the whole accident report. Basically, this is what happened. They were, uh, this uh, company had a conveyor, and it was a steel conveyor made for paper. They had a series of six different conveyors set up, and what they ended up doing was uh, they did not de-energize it, allegedly. A worker touched 
the conveyor being metal conducting electricity, and he was the path to the ground, and he got electrocuted. Apparently, uh, there were some uh, issues as far as uh, uh, the accident and some other stuff went on, but somebody at the company called up the coroner and said, can you make that like a heart attack and not electrocution? OSHA found out about it, and basically, let's just say that they weren't happy. They whacked him with a whole bunch of repeat violations and serious things and what have you. Uh, bottom line is $227,040 in penalties because some of them were repeated from a, uh incident they had last week. Uh, I'm sorry, not last week, last year in Burlington County, New Jersey. I believe it was Florence, New Jersey. Uh, big issue here. So what do we, uh, What what's the moral of the story? You're obviously work safe, lockout, tag out, doing all that stuff that we're meant to be what we have to do and no lockout tag out compliance 1910 147 is to know is just to know that if you try to abscond with the regulations and reporting requirements like a lot of companies do where they don't report uh, uh osha recordables that have to do with overnight stays in the hospital hospitalizations that missed the deadline for reporting the eight hours for fatality and everything else. Unless you have a very, very good reason for that, it's not, uh, they're not happy about it. And you're going to have a very adversarial situation with them. That's not something we want to do. So that's in the news reports. I was able to find one on uh, Insider, uh, businessinsider.com. A uh, story by Grace Dean from April 14th, that's last week. And uh, the company's attorney allegedly, and this is all allegedly, uh, also asked the coroner's office to change the cause of death to heart attack. So uh, pretty, pretty sad story for everybody involved here. Some more OSHA pay, uh, press releases. Right? Because they took it off, I feel like putting it up, but I don't want to have an issue here. Uh, some more press releases from the Department of Labor, and here you go. Okay. U.S. Department of Labor finds Arizona Veterans Healthcare Facility exposed uh, employees to potential deadly hazards on steam lines. So let's see what this is about. Federal safety red inspectors found that the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs endangered maintenance workers at its healthcare facility in Prescott by allowing... Again, this is the VA. This is the government doing it, right? Uh, and Prescott, by allowing them to work on steam lines without ensuring they followed the required safety precautions. OSHA identified one willful violation, two repeat violations by the department's Northern uh, Arizona Veterans Affairs Healthcare System and issued three serious notices for exposing employees to burns and other serious illnesses. OSHA identified the violations during October 2022 inspection. The findings come less than two years after a pair of workers died at the Veterans Affairs Health Care System in West Haven, Connecticut in November 2020 after suffering fatal burns while working on a steam line. If you've ever had a steam burn, it's extremely painful. Believe me, it, it, it is so painful, it's not even funny. Uh, there, I, I mean, uh, because it penetrates the skin and uh, horrible. Let, let's put it this way. It happens one time, you'll never do it again. You'll make sure it never happens again. 
It's a long time to heal. Despite the tragic and preventable deaths of two workers at the facility in Connecticut in 2020, the Department of Veterans Affairs allowed the same hazards to endanger employees working on steam lines at its Prescott facility. You've got a repeat violation here. Where did they foul up on? Uh, during the inspection, OSHA inspectors determined that uh, the facility lacked lockout-tagout uh, uh, procedures that are designed to prevent uh, the loss of ha- hazardous uh, energy. And they found that the employers followed an ad hoc, meaning on the spot, basically, uh, process and did not meet OSHA requirements so that the facility failed to train workers and safety uh, professionals. So this is a different kind of thing, story that, we nor- that we're used to. This is the government reporting on the government. And because there's sovereign immunity involved here, all right, big issue, sovereign immunity, meaning the government isn't responsible for anything it does, they, uh, there's really nothing uh, that, uh, no, it's like the government finding itself. Our position here, my position, not safety FMs, but my position is that there, with health and safety issues, there should be no sovereign immunity, only under emergency response situations. But, yeah, you know, that's me. Uh, Federal law requires all employers, public or private, to provide a safe workplace. Management of all, at all Veterans Affairs facilities should review their employees' safety and health programs to ensure they comply with industry and OSHA standards for isolating OSHA, uh, isolating hazardous energy before another tragedy occurs. The Veterans Affairs Northern Arizona Healthcare System serves the healthcare needs of more than 33,000 veterans at 12 locations in the region. The department provides benefits and everything else. The VA employs 400,000 people at its medical facilities. Under executive order, and we're going to read this one for you, 12196, federal agencies must comply with the same safety and health standards as private sector's employees. Uh, employers covered under the OSH Act of 1970. Federal agencies are issued notices of unsafe and unhealthy working conditions uh, and are required to demonstrate they have abated hazards found but are not assessed monetary penalties. And so for similar violations, private sector employers could face penalties of up to $315,000. So what's Executive Order 12196? Let's check that out. So uh, it's in uh, 29 CFR 1960, and it's actually pretty uh, 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 small here. We're going to read through here. Uh, Under executive, uh, uh, this is 1960.1C. Under executive order 12196, the secretary is required to perform various services for the agencies, including consultation, training, record keeping, inspections, and evaluations. Agencies are encouraged to seek such an assistance, right, from the secretary as well as advice on how to comply with basic program elements and operate effective occupational safety and health programs. Under the request of an agency, the Office of Federal Agency Safety and Health Programs will review proposed agency plans for the implementation of program elements. Going on, uh, the... the So uh, all the elements apply to all federal agencies. 
no provision of this executive order or part shall be construed in any manner to relieve any private employer, including federal contractors or their employees, of any rights or responsibilities under the Provisions Act. Um, so that's basically it. Uh, although an agency may not have the authority to require abatement on, of hazardous conditions in private sector workplaces, the agency head must assure safe and healthy working conditions for his or her employees. This shall be accomplished by administrative controls, PPE, or withdrawal of federal employees from the private sector facility, blah, 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 if it's a private sector facility. So basically, no teeth to this. This is part of the problem with a lot of federal agencies, state agencies, unless they're covered under uh, a state program of some sort that actually holds their feet to the fire. My opinion, and a little editorial opinion here, is that they have, should be covered under OSHA and should be cited, etc., under uh, OSHA or another agency and be fined, or if not fined, some other uh, uh, type thing. And that's not the opinion of the a lot, most safety professionals, but uh, no, enough's enough here. Uh, it's causing political divides and political issues in the country with a lot of communities uh, because the uh, because you have people passing the laws that don't actually have to comply with laws. This went on for a long time, let me adjust the camera, for uh, 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 no, before 1994, where government didn't have to live under its own laws. And they could do pretty much anything they want. And we've gotten away from that. Now we're, go we're back into it. And it's causing issues uh, for uh, a lot of people, legitimate issues. Okay. U.S. Department of Labor sues Kansas City area painting contractor to recover $102,000 in overtime wages. So not only talk about safety, we talk about other DOL issues. On March 28, 2023, the U.S. Department of Labor filed a complaint in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Missouri, alleging that a company and its owner violated federal overtime record-keeping requirements. Uh, so they're uh, basically... $102,000 in damages they're looking for and $52,000 rough almost in unpaid overtime wages and an equal amount of liquidated damages for 29 painters. So if, again, here's my question. If you're going to be hiring these contractors, maybe worth it to do a Google search on them. Okay, we're going to finish that. On to some, let's go to a commercial break here. I'm working remotely, as you can see. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? 
Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Yes, that's her daddy here on Safety Wars. So, one of the things we're getting into now with the warmer weather, a lot of uh, high schools are graduating uh, their students now starting in May. Uh, I know where I went to high school, that it's like middle of May they uh, start uh, with the graduation stuff. And everywhere else is in like June. So, uh, and what happens? It's good in so a lot of ways because it's a shorter school year. You get a head start on summer jobs or whatever else you're going to do that summer. But what happens is we're to mostly, we're to do a good chunk of the injuries occur all the time. It's on younger workers, believe it or not. So there's been a lot of uh, research here, and I just had it here, on young workers and their accident rates. And I just lost the webpage. Oh, you know, here it is. So... You're going to say, well, young workers, okay. Well, they are resilient. Yeah, well, guess what? Here is some of the statistics right from the Centers for Disease Control here from NIOSH, the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. In 2020, right, there were about 17.3 million workers under the age of 25, right? These workers represented 11.7% of the total workforce, in 2020, 352 workers under the age of 25 died from work-related injuries. In 2020, there were 26 deaths to workers under 18 years of age. In 2020, the incidence rate for non-fatal injuries for workers 16 through 19, that's right in your high school junior and seniors, and maybe sophomores, right, was 149.8 per 10,000 full-time employees and 141.8 per 100,000 full-time employees for workers, for full-time employment for workers, ages 20 to 24. In 2020, the rate of work-related, right, this is the linchpin here, guys. This is the grab you. In 2020, the rate of work-related injuries treated in emergency departments for workers ages 15 to 24 was 1.5 times greater than the rate of workers 25 years of age and older. Pretty uh, serious there, huh? So you're one and a half times more likely to get hurt for, right, 
from a, a non-fatal injury with that, right? And you, if you really want to do a deep dive, the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics has all of the statistics here, all right? Uh, for them, you can uh, uh, dig uh, deep into uh, everything. So what are we talking about here with uh, young workers? Why are they at risk? Well, some of the research is this, right? Young workers get injured on si- or sick on the job for many reasons, including unsafe equipment, inadequate safety training, inadequate supervision, dangerous work that is illegal or inappropriate for youth under 18, pressure to work faster, and stressful conditions. So let's talk about dangerous work uh, that is illegal or inappropriate. So when I was up and coming, everybody always said, oh, meat slicer, meat slicer, because a lot of folks, uh, a lot of people, their first job is in the restaurant industry, the service industry, maybe working in your local uh, uh, supermarket doing stuff or or, uh, something like that. So every state, federal government, federal government, restricts what you're allowed to do if you're 18. But every state has a different take on things. So, for example, some states, construction work of any type is prohibited. Not allowed to do it. No way, no how, nothing, nada, zero. Not allowed to do it. Here are the federal ones. What are you not allowed to work around if you're a miner? In or about plants that manufacture or store explosives. Motor vehicle driver and outside helper. So if you are a uh, lumper, what they call it, used to call in the warehouse industry, what's a lumper? It's someone who actually unloads the trucks, that, right? Coal mining, I, by the way, three summers. I did this for a company that doesn't exist anymore, Twin County Grocers. It's not in that form. Uh, for Food Tab, my brother and I worked together side by side uh, doing selecting uh, when I was in college where you were actually loading trucks. Coal mining operations, locking and or operating any sawmill, lathe mill, lath mill, I'm sorry, shingle mill or cooperage stock mill, operating power-driven word-working machinery, which I find unusual because a lot of vocational technical schools have wood shop, but not allowed to work around power-driven woodworking machines. With exposure to radioactive substances and ionizing radiation, elevators, uh, power-driven metal-forming punching or shearing machines, in connection with mining other than coal, so not only coal mining but other types of mining, Slaughtering, meatpacking, rendering, or involving the operations, setting up, adjusting, cleaning, oiling, wiping, or repairing a meat slicer. There's your meat slicer. Running power-driven bakery machines. Operating certain power-driven paper products machines. So in our previous story with the paper mill, I'm sure that, hey, can we see the names and the ages of everybody who works here? I'm almost certain that's what they uh, probably did uh, there. One of the first questions. Operating, uh, making brick or tile, running power-driven circular saws, band saws, or guillotine shears, wrecking, decking, demolition, and shipbreaking operations. So that's a specific. A lot covers a lot of construction and shipbreaking. Is uh, right, 1915. 
there. Roofing, which is construction, and excavation, which is construction. So that's on the federal level. So let's go over, I'm going to, I just pulled an example here. Uh, this is New York State prohibited conditions where I work. No one under the age of 18 may work or assist in any occupation at construction work. So no, if you're in New York, no construction work. And was there anything else specific to uh, New York? Yeah. Exposure to silica or harmful dust. I would assume uh, that the harmful dust would be uh, above an exposure limit of some sort. And for dust, general dust is 5 milligrams per meter cubed, respirable, and 15 milligrams per meter cubed total. Uh, locking operations, okay, that's the same. As a helper on a motor vehicle, okay. Uh, Abrasives, working with abrasives, packing paints, drying colors, red or white leads, poisonous acids, operating boilers, working in a jail, and they have certain exceptions here uh, that confuse. So if you're if you are in uh, hiring people, if you're in a, a parent or something else, realize hey, it's great for your kid to want to go and get a job. Phenomenal. But there are certain things that they're not allowed to do. And what happens often is that uh, the uh, kids are anxious to work. I tell you what, the construction work pays still pays pretty well. So uh, you can see the temptation for children wanting to work in this thing. Minors wanting to work in these occupations pays well. I know the best uh, paying jobs when I was in high school and college were construction and warehouse work. Uh, whether And even, let's say, the uh, shipping service, like uh, the people in the brown uniforms and shirts, shorts. So what are you to do? What kind of hazards do these workers uh, get? Mainly, it's going to be related with falls. That's what OSHA has identified. So we're looking at equipment and machinery, heavy lifting. Uh, well, here we have different classes. Retail grocery stores, equipment and machinery, heavy lifting, violent crime, repetitive hand motions, and slippery floors. Right? So that's your falls, slippery floors. I'm going to take a note. In most states, children are not allowed to work at height. Miners, so any type of work at height, whether it's a roof, getting on the ladder, anything like that, not allowed to do it. Food or fast service, fast food service. Sharp objects, hot cooking machinery. Here's an, here it goes again. Slippery floors, electricity, heavy lifting, violent crime, any of those. Janitary cleanup, uh, maintenance, or anything like that. We have uh, uh, sl uh, hazardous chemicals. Hold on, I gotta right. Hazardous chemicals, slippery floors, heavy lifting, blood uh, on guarded needles. So, what a lot of places have, I I, I don't know how dated this information is for on the OSHA website because I, most places I go into, whether they're a restaurant 
or anything like that has a needle stick injury uh, type stuff they have in the uh, bathroom, at least in the men's room. I don't go into the women's room often. Uh, but in the men's room, they have a uh, 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 sharps container that people use. So, again, with all of this stuff, and it comes down to training. So why do the young workers not get training? One, you're going to be hiring. I think uh, that retailer that keeps on getting fined by OSHA to the tune of proposed penalties of $16 million or uh, since 2017, uh, they can fall into this situation where you have short-term employers. It's a sum- employees. It's a summer job. You're working June, July, and August sort of thing. How much are you going to going to invest in their formal training. You're not going to send them usually to a uh, general industry course, for example, which we do, 845-269-5772. You're not going to be doing that. You're going to be, uh, okay, maybe learning on the job, teaching them a little bit on the job. Uh, I think though that, that that's a mistake in a lot of ways. One, you have to pay the person for the outreach. I get that. But a lot of those things in the outreach courses could be discussed in uh, could be discussed in weekly safety meetings, toolbox talks, that sort of thing. Or if you have a job hazard analysis system, which most of these places don't, with this type of work, you know, for what young what I'm thinking, what young people normally are involved in, first job type stuff, they don't have that. But Something like that. We're, today we're going to talk about X, Y, and Z. And as long as you document it, that's documentable training with that. Maybe throw in a little quiz, uh, verbal, oral things. Now, at the university I was teaching at up until this semester, uh, they've been having uh, issues. They decided to restructure, and I'm not teaching there uh, anymore. Probably going to restart in the fall. We had a job program. There, inner for the inner cities, because it was an inner city related company uh, 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 community there, and what uh, training the young people are they're like sponges. You could teach them a lot of stuff about occupational safety and health. So, for example, what their rights are under the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. This is all on the website, on the OSHA.gov website. So you can teach them you have a right to work in a safe place. There's no reason to go to work and to get hurt. Number two, receive safety and health training in a language you understand. So if English is a second language or third language, all right, why are you giving them training in English? Give them in the appropriate language. Ask questions if you don't understand instructions or something that seems unsafe. Use and be trained or required uh, on required safety gear, such as hard hats, goggles, and earplugs. Exercise your workplace safety rights without the retaliation or discrimination, and you have the right to, you know, file a complaint, 1-800-321-OSHA. Your employer, what else can you teach them? Your employer has certain responsibilities. One, provide a workplace free from serious and recognized hazards. Follow all OSHA safety and health standards. Provide training about workplace hazards and required safety gear. And tell where you where to get answers 
to your safety and health questions. All of that's, all of that is uh, your employer's responsibility, and tell you what to do. What are the emergency action plans if there is a problem on the job? Now, what ways can you stay safe on there if you're a young person? Help protect yourself if you can. Report unsafe conditions inside the company. Wear any safety gear, PPE, required to do your job. Follow the rules, safety rules. Ask questions for help if needed. Just those simple things. Now, if you are a parent, you probably need to be going through this with your children, with your young workers. And remember this, the brain development does not finish at high school or even most people who go to college. It finishes at 25 years old. And younger people have a problem with assessing risk. The other thing is that they're anxious to work. They want to do a good job. And you're going to say, well, I know there's some people out there saying, hey, Jimmy, what uh, planet are you on? Right? What planet are you on? They don't want to do a good job, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? They want to do a good job, and they will take unnecessary risks. A lot of people that I come across doing um, with my work have never broken out of that. They're 50 years old, and they still want to take risks. Unnecessary. All risks are, uh, what? You didn't, you didn't come to work to get hurt here. Some of the other things that are out there are, right, uh, uh, heat, hot, the heat stress. I actually, when looking back at my working career, I probably had a OSHA recordable on a heat stress situation. I almost fainted uh, on a on a project because of heat stress uh, out there. Uh, let's see hazards. All right, uh, we already discovered talked about that. Now let's talk about some more hazards. Right, we talked about janitors, food service, but there's a lot of other stuff. Office or clerical. What do you have? Repetitive hand motion, computer work, back and neck strain, and stress. Now, what do we do in schools? That's another question. A lot of families are dealing with this, especially now since the beginning of COVID with children having issues with ergonomic stressors, neck problems, carpal tunnel syndrome even, I've heard, where now we're requiring children to be on computers all the time. So what happens? They're on the computers all the time. Is their desk area set up ergonomically? Uh, we've had this discussion with my son and daughter, right? You want to be on sober? You want to be like this? Or, no, and, and everything else, right? Permanently, micro fractures, bad posture, anything like that. As, now, one hour is one thing. These kids are on computers six, seven, eight hours a day in some cases, Right, outdoor, and then they want to come home and be on the computer, and it's like, no, time out, kids, go outside, play, be free, you know. Sort of like, uh, uh, no, it's the end of the school. No more teachers, no more books, right? No more teachers, dirty looks. I remember that song from uh, when I was. Yes, I'm dating myself by a lot. Outdoor work, big thing. Exposure to the sun, heat, landscaping, pesticides, machineries and vehicles, electricity, heavy lifting, and noise. A lot of kids work in landscaping. Here's the question. Can they work with a lawnmower legally? 
Some states, absolutely not. Not allowed to operate a lawnmower. For landscaping, really? Yeah, look it up, wherever your locality is. Uh, same thing with electric shears or anything else. Uh, construction, falls, right? They're, they're the big ones. But a lot of, no, for uh, under 18 miners, not allowed to work at height in a lot of places. Certain machineries and tools, confined spaces, electricity struck by backup. If you're in construction, right, how's this? If you're a parent, you want to invest in uh, your child's future? Send them to an outreach course. Maybe the best, even if it's online, maybe the best money that you ever, uh, uh, you ever uh, spend uh, on your kid. A lot of colleges... One that I taught at, they had 10-hour courses for, and 30-hour courses and 40-hour Haswapper courses for graduating students. Wouldn't that be worth something uh, sending your kid to so they don't get hurt at work with that? And in the meantime, have them tune into our program here. What's part of what we do here? Part of what we do on Safety Wars is always uh, uh, teaching you, coaching you how to stand up for yourself. Having a backbone, not being afraid to say something, having leadership qualities. Statement analysis is a big one. I, I teach statement analysis all the time. What's statement analysis? What to say, what to say, what's a deceptive statement, what is a non-deceptive statement? My wife and I were having this discussion over the weekend. How people in the workplaces often have deceptive statements and what they issue. And had I known about how to detect a deceptive statement when I was in my 20s, my career would have worked out a lot differently with things. So one of them is uh, where uh, they save things for their annual review, right? So you don't remember exactly what incident they're talking about. This might have happened, that might have happened, what have you, with a client, with a customer internally. And then... Well, now you're telling me something that happened 11 months ago. You don't report it, and we're doing this job. Well, well, then it couldn't have been that big of a deal. Couldn't have been. Sort of stuff. And, to and the other thing is, is this. Planning to have stuff ahead of time. Being prepared ahead of time. No matter what you're doing to try to, again, fight that safety war. We're going to take another commercial here. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. Right. To prepare for tomorrow's safety war, you got to work on that today. That's an ongoing thing. Now, you're going to say, well, Jim, the, you know, the OSHA stuff, why is it so important, blah, 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 blah. Let me explain it to you this way. I'll explain it nice and easy. Majority of people work. 
they're involved in the workplace. Somehow, some way, formally, informally, what have you. Worker safety is something that impacts all of us. And that's why we need to be concerned about it. Because uh, just like this, the most uh, uh, tomorrow, the 17th, right? I'm sorry, the 18th, tomorrow, is the 17th. That's the most contact people have with the federal government is IRS tax day. They don't realize that there are many other federal agencies that impact their lives. This one, OSHA, impacts all your life, your entire working life, all your safety. And you say, well, I don't work in a dangerous industry. Well, guess what? You work in an office. We talked about ergonomic stressors, things of that nature. All that stuff, OSHA-related. Indoor air quality issues, potentially OSHA-related under the general duty clause. Falls in the workplace. OSHA, electric, electric hazards regulated by OSHA. All this stuff, a lot of stuff, it's the thing that impacts you vertically and the most is occupational safety and health, especially if there's an emergency. And we're going to move on to something else here. Bizarre. I should have a day with just bizarre things that go on in uh, the world here because it's ridiculous. I'm checking on our time here. We have about 18 minutes. Okay. Couple decapitate themselves at the same time using a homemade guillotine with their heads then rolling into a fire in a ritualistic sacrifice. This happened in India. A husband and wife had killed themselves by decapitation with a homemade guillotine so they could offer their heads as a sacrifice, according to police. They severed their heads with a guillotine-like mechanism into a fire altar for a ritual sacrifice in Vishivya in Vishivda, Gujarat, India. Vishivda police sub-inspector uh, said the ritual was carried out between Saturday night and Sunday afternoon, and the couple left a note with the, for their two children, parents, and relatives who lived nearby. The Authorities said the note urged relatives to take care of their children and parents. The bodies have been sent for a post-mortem uh, examination and a case of accidental death has been registered. I don't know. They deliberately did it, so I don't know how that could be an accidental death, but unless there was some type of mental illness or something thrown in there, and I don't think that they, they might not have been mentally ill here. Right. The couple's family members said the pair had been offering prayers in their home every day since last year. It comes after two women were abducted, tortured, and beheaded as part of what was feared to be a black magic human sacrifice ritual last October. Bhagavad Singh, a traditional healer who treated parents in his home, his wife Layla and Muhammad Shafi, Pardon me. The pair had been severely tortured and the accused allegedly lured them into their home by promising money. 
Shafi said it was uh, was said to have befriended the couple through the social media after creating a fake profile that encouraged them to carry out the sacrifice. Black magic is still uh, practiced in part of India to aid fertility, bring wealth, etc. It's a shame. Uh, people doing stuff like that. Here's from Vice World News. Mexican cartels are turning once peaceful Ecuador into a narco war zone. We are fighting to contain the sickness that is threatening our country, said an official, the violence created by Mexico's cartels in Ecuador. The graffiti image... The graffiti image of the tiger with bared fangs makes clear who controls the neighborhood uh, in this impoverished city near the Colombian border. The Tiguanos, an Ecuadorian gang allied with Mexico's brutal Jalisco New Generation cartel, God help anyone who gets it, and it going on and on and on. So this thing is uh, spreading even into the United States for a very long time. Russians boasted that just 1% of fake social profiles are caught, leak shows. So this is going on with the leak from last week from the chat app Discord. The Russian government has become far more successful at manipulating social media and search engine rankings than previously known, boosting lies about Ukraine's military and the side effects of vaccines with hundreds of thousands of fake online accounts, according to documents. So this is what I'm going to say on this. Don't be manipulated, be informed. That's part of what we're out here doing is making sure you're not manipulated, that you are informed on what the hell is going on so you cannot be manipulated. This was always frustrating to me, especially in politics. Now you say, well, Jim, you're talking politics. I was involved in politics for a long time. Just because you see it on TV or hear it on the radio or now put it and see it on the internet does not mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's true. People are not, uh, this is the main argument against uh, uh, term limits. And specifically this, the people could vote these people out. They don't need to listen to what's on the media, what's on the news, what the, they got to find out themselves. Getting them to do it, that, okay, now, well, that's an issue. But to continue, you know, to continually try to influence elections, these people wouldn't have any influence in your life if you didn't give it to them. There's a story I was going to share today, but it was a little bit more controversial, and I think it would be a trigger is specifically on teen girls and what they go through with this social media stuff, right? There, uh, now, women have always, and girls and women, have always compared themselves to a standard of beauty, whatever it is for that time. I remember when I was that age. I know it now. But, the, but as I tell people, this is not real. It's not real. It's not real. Why are we so worried about it? As a doctor on the air that I used to listen to way back in the day, sometimes for laughs, said, go to the mall. Nobody goes to the mall anymore. So you know how dated that is. Go to the mall. 
Right? Someone will call up for a show. I'm not, I'm not attractive enough to get a boyfriend, or I'm not attractive enough to get a girlfriend. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, she said, go to the mall. What do you see at the mall? Don't like the mall, go to a shopping center, go to a sporting event, go to a concert, go wherever, where the people. Are those the most attractive people around? Are they got uh, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives? It doesn't matter. Matters to the extent, of course. People like looking at beautiful people. Okay, great. But don't go around comparing yourself to anybody else. It's really not worth it. Really, it isn't. It's unrealistic. Live a healthy lifestyle, things like that. Oh, obviously. But to be obsessed by looks all the time to the point where it screws with you mentally, come on. Here we have a North Carolina uh, Department of Labor situation here. North Carolina uh, Department of Labor has fined the company $27,000 plus for violations that re- resulted in a worker death in October 2022. North Carolina Department of Labor alleges a company uh, violated the Occupational Safety and Health Act for North Carolina. Silicone carbide chip manufacturer was charged with two counts of violations, each one carrying a maximum penalty of 14502 In October, a worker died on the job at a facility in Durham uh, due to electrocution, another electrocution. And uh, the companies uh, said that they continued to warn the loss, and uh, we believe providing safer work uh, safe work environment is the most fundamental, important thing that we can do for our employees, their safety and health, according to, etc. According to the investigation, the employee contacted an exposed coil with his hand as he entered a substation alone and became the path to ground, meaning the electrical current, and I'm glad they're explaining this, went through his body. He was declared dead at the scene when emergency personnel arrived. Investigators said... Uh, the employee did not put on his arc flash gear to include gloves as he attempted to test the bus connectors. I'm going to say this much. You're blaming the employee there. What would like, what's likely more, uh, what's li- more likely is this. The person was not incentivized to put on gloves. All right. If the um, now, I'm going to say this. this. is not the first time the employee did this in all likelihood. Why do you say that? Because that's the way it is. This is not the first time that he did this. Was he being supervised? Was there somebody with him? Did someone say, wait, don't do that? If he, he had an attitude, I'm not saying he did. If a worker has an attitude, well, you know. I, uh, one of my customers and I had this conversation on a accident investigation we had done together many years ago. It turned out that the workers uh, that were killed, two workers, was we taught you to do this job, not you told us how to do this job to the foreman. And they did the job unsafely and ended up getting killed, right? If that's the situation and you have workers like that, that's still your issue, that's still your, the employer's issue. What was the incentive? Was there auditing done? Was there communication to the hazard? Was there anything else? And I'm going to go into something even more, more controversial here, more controversial than not tying. 
All right, you want to get controversial? Talk about knots. What knots to die? Why? My God! Every time I do a fall protection class or a fall protection audit, Alabama shooting live. Four dead, multiple injured at Dadeville party. This happened in uh, uh, where was it? Alabama, right? Over the weekend. There was another incident in Chicago with uh, almost like a riot by young people uh, up there or some type of major event, unplanned, uh, not formally planned, I'll say that. It wasn't that it was not planned, it wasn't formally planned. I don't get it with this violence. People are saying, well, it's the gun, Jim, it's the gun. Guess what? You're not going to get rid of the guns in this country especially when they're available illegally on the street. Not going to happen. What is causing this kind of violence? We had guns, semi-automatic guns, in the, and whether they're assault weapons or not, they're the same, ballistically. Function-wise, they're the same. We had this stuff going way back in the 1950s. Why is this, do we have this violence today in the under 18-year-old and under crowd? A lot of controversial things there. One of them is that we have a collapse in the mental health system here. We have people not seeking treatment. Yeah, that's true. But is that the only thing out there? That's where this has to be attacked from. But the thing is, that is going to call, take a lot of commitment. And may, uh, and you know, the laws have to be out there. They could be written that they can't be litigated, by the way. That's what a lot of people don't realize. A lot of laws are written by Congress where they can't be litigated. Why can't they be litigated? Because who empowers the courts? Congress empowers the courts. President appoints uh, federal judges or your executive appoints them. They get affirmed by the United States Senate. Now, can the judges be more powerful than the United States Senate? Can the president be more powerful than the United States Senate or Congress? No, not really, because that's where they derive the powers from. It's from Congress. Now, Congress abrogates its powers. Congress consents in a lot of places to the court system. Things of that nature. Okay, I, I, this is not a civics lesson. I'm probably going to get emails. I shouldn't be talking about civics. But this is what it comes down to, is that something is going on in society with mental health, and this is happening. Now, we're going to get it from the other side. Well, statistically, things are going down and blah, 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 blah. Okay, I get it, statistically. We're, but we're getting more of this stuff reported all the time. Note, I did not mention the shooter's name here. I, I probably never will on any of these stories. But what are we going to do about mental health in this country? A couple of suggestions. More screening in schools. More education to parents, caregivers, families. More empathy. 
a lot of parents are brutalized. Well, how do you think they're going to raise their kids? They're going to be brutalized too. I never, I, could, I, I had stuff coming out when I uh, became a father that I went through that resurfaced. As everyone knows here, I went through a very abusive thing. A little bit of, oh shit, that happened to me. I remember how that happened to me. But I came up with, a, okay, that happened to me. This is how I, I handled it or this is how I should have handled it. That's how I manage it with my children is you got to learn from my mistakes. Do, do they, some of the lessons take? No, some of the lessons don't take, I mean, obviously. But most of the lessons do take. And as my kids get older, they're like, oh, well, maybe daddy isn't, you know, isn't wrong on this. That's how, what has to happen. And it seems like a lot of these things keep coming up with the children on different family situations, different community situations, things of that nature. We need to work on that stuff as a society. We need love. We need empathy. We need to get along with each other. Teamwork. Not forced teamwork, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago where we have forced affiliations, right, and forced this and forced that. How about organic relationships, getting to know people, things of that nature. That's what we need. That's how we're going to fight that safety war, and that's how we're going to win it, is through that, working together, working for betterment, teamwork. All right, that's my homily for the day here. Uh, here we have another electrocution. We, this could have been electrocution Monday. A 61-year-old worker was killed in northern Oakland County Tuesday. This is uh, West Virginia, I guess. WWJ News Radio 950 is where I'm getting this story, wherever that is. Michigan, this is. Uh, so this happened on April 4th. The report states the electrical maintenance journeyman was working with several other people to dismantle a transformer when a ra the radiator assembly came loose and struck him, causing fatal injuries. Authorities with the fire department responded to the scene, and this is the seventh workplace-related death in this year in Michigan. Now, again, electricity. I don't like to screw with it, ever. I'm afraid of electricity. So, uh, where are we now in the program? So, we're going to cut it right here. Again, working together, teamwork, getting along. I'm going to give depart with this. My scout leader, Skipper Kish, right, from the Sea Scouts, he was asked why he had the type of job that he had. He was a private contractor. He said, look, I could have been a corporate guy, he told my brother John and I. Could have been a corporate guy. But they sent me to a class to learn how to fire people. And he said, I would rather have a class on how to get along with people. I'm going to leave you with that, some wisdom from Skipper Kish. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. 
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.